Gracias por sintonizar nuestro podcast. Te habla tu servidor, el Pastor Mario. Esperamos que este mensaje te anime, te desafíe y hable a tu corazón. Disfrútanos. And I wasn't given that same capacity. Like I'm, I'm meant to twirl and dance and have space and a, and a rhythm that's, you know, dance like no one's watching kind of dance. But I was trying to live my life on a treadmill with him dragging three children and all the bags that come with three children. And our daughter, Kelsey, lived with a you know, chronic illness for 14 years. So I also had all of the journey of that while we were running treadmills. And I, I feel like that's one of the things that's so amazing about this revelation, because once we realize that we are loved, as an individual, like I'm loved, Leslie's loved. There, you come into a freedom to be you. To be you. I mean, Leonard talks about, you know, blowing out other people's candles, right? But for me, I didn't want to light my own candle. Like I didn't, I tried to hide. I didn't know what I brought to the table. You know, and, and I had a husband with great capacity, and, I, and there was this fear that I would be like Eve, right? Be in the way of the man of God. And I didn't know who I was, so I just tried to stay hidden and small. I didn't see the value. I couldn't, didn't know what you'd pay me to do to be on the earth. I always use the phrase earthing. I'm not really good at the earthing thing. I love to be in the midst of that. Coming into the Trinity, my small group, coming in to me was finding home within myself. And, it, and as he loved me, as he fathered me and mothered me, I started to remember who I was created to be. Remember being a little girl, like we were, I was raised in the Catholic Church, and I loved church. I loved being in his presence, in that space. I loved the stations of the cross. Like I always understood, even as a little girl, that Jesus, God became man and died for me. He died for me. Like the weight of that, like the why. Why? And what does that mean? And I know he's worthy of whatever it means. I want to live it, but I never understood what did it mean. What does it mean? Why did he do that? I mean, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I fail. I, I mean, I caught that really quick, but there just felt like there's niggling for something more. And I remember being like hiding in a tree and just singing the hymns. Like there was something in me that wanted to be attached who knew I was loved. I, I tell this story when I'm teaching. That I read it in a few books, but it's about this four-year-old little boy. He tells his parents, he's like, I need to talk to my newborn brother by myself. And they're like, by yourself, okay. So they let him, kept him in the bedroom. He went into the bedroom where the baby was, and he went over to the cradle, and they kind of stood outside. He's like, close the door. So they close the door, and they're kind of listening, and he goes to his little brother. He says, quick, tell me who made us. Tell me where we came from. I'm beginning to forget. I think that's what we're doing. We're awakening. We're remembering. 
We're remembering who we are, who our Father is, who we are in Christ. It's awakening. I think about the little girl, Jesus rose from the dead, right? She looked dead, but what did he say? She's just sleeping. We're remembering quick. Tell me. Tell me who made me. Why am I on this earth? I'm beginning to forget. Isn't that what a family does? Quick, tell me. We're awakening. Ah, oh, Papa, just thank you that you're loving us. You're such a good father. Have you ever like walked, experienced love, experienced something really deep, whether it be like in your own quiet time or in a great church service or like in a great conference and you're like, you're like, oh, I just felt something so deep and it's changed me. It's changed me. I want to hold on to this. And then you walk away, you go out into the world <laughs> and all of a sudden it feels like your being is a colander, like with holes in it. And it's, it kind of goes out of you. Like what happened to that? Like I had it. I knew who I was. And now I'm going to live this way. And then you kind of live through and it drips out. Like why is it dripping out? Why can't I contain this? Why do I have these experiences and they're lovely, but I have somehow they, they don't stick. And you go to the world, if you're, I don't know if this song, if you've ever sang it, I don't think culturally, but it, it's a song where you go, he sings, he's like, there's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza, there's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, a hole. And she says, well, fix it, dear Henry, dear Henry, dear Henry, fix it. So that's what we're told. I have holes. I can't contain it. And then the world says, fix it. Do these things. And then we try to do these things. And we just keep this cycle, the tre- our own personal treadmill of how, what, and Jesus died. Like, I, there's nothing in me that didn't know my whole life that God died for me. Why is it so hard? Why, why, what is it? It's some things, the ache in me just kept drawing me home. But the world and all the things that happened to me got in the way, where the enemy came in. Right? I always call Satan, Lucifer, self-chosen orphan. He chose orphanness. I will not be fathered. And he wants to bring us in. He wants to make us feel separate and alone and isolated. And then he says, now you fix it, because God's God. Right? That's what he did to Adam and Eve. He told her, like, something's wrong. You're alone. He got her to separate. Instead of being in relationship, he kind of made her look at God, look objectively and weigh and measure God. Is he good? Did he have your best in mind? I mean, he's love. We all know he's love. We say it. He's love. He loves you. But do we know it? Do we trust in our own being that he loves me? Because evidence would say, you know, evidence would say, but he's good, and I know it, the Bible says it, but have I experienced that in my own being? Is there rest in that? And what I'm going to talk about today is his mothering heart, the mother heart of God. I know we just real quick did father. (laughs) 
And that takes a minute. We spend a whole week trying to put people at rest. It's not heresy to say that God is Father. Guess what Jesus came to bring us into? He revealed him as Father. He was a perfect manifestation of Father. And then that death and resurrection brings us into it. Like we're just caught up, Leonard said it so well, we're just caught up in love. The father who loves his son and a son who loves his father. And we're caught up in it and we can't wiggle out of it. But the key is seeing it and believing it because it's already been done. 2,000 years ago, he died and rose again. And we're just beginning to awaken to what that really brought us into. He didn't come for servants. He doesn't want slaves. Friends aren't even close enough. We're in the sun. The Father's loving the Son within us. Only one person has ever lived the Christian life, and that's Jesus. And he's in us living it, in and through us. Oh, the pressure is off. I mean, I'm just telling you, I've been trying to live the Christian life. I've been trying to do it out of lessliness. I tried to teach in the inner cities, tried to live in Mexico. You know, for me, I had a hard time learning the language. So hard for me. I'm not a musician. I probably have learning disorders. You know, I, I work so hard to learn because I understand heart language. And think about the word for the heart language, your mother tongue. Mother tongue, it's a heart thing. Like yesterday, when you started praying and you just prayed in Spanish, did you feel it? I mean, I'm so thankful you all can understand my English, but man, heart language. You know, I lived in Mexico 10 years, and it, I didn't, I couldn't speak from my heart in a language that your heart, I always felt this, like, shame. I worked so hard to memorize all those <laughs> tenses. <laughs> and it came out so... And I always felt this little shame because I knew I could never give you what I wanted to give you because I couldn't speak the language of your heart. And then I, I went and taught in the inner city. Because I, I just had this ache. Something was wrong, I need to fix it, right? I always, I wanted when I was really little to be a, I wanted to be a nun. But I wanted to be a Jewish, a Jewish black None. I don't even know how I would do that. But it was this longing to be understand, to have empathy, to live, to step into your skin, know your story, you know your whole history. I wanted to understand. I wanted to help. I didn't want anybody left behind. So I went and taught in the inner city as a twenty-year-old little girl, and I brought. They just ate me up alive. I had nothing. I didn't have the tools. I didn't understand their culture. I mean, I brought journals and pens and pencils. We're going to share hearts. I, they, did, they just looked at me, you don't know me. I just, there's this longing and longing, my, this less, I don't have the tools. But you know what, now, what's so great? What happened on that day that Leonard talks about? The Holy Spirit of sonship encountered my heart. And I felt his heart for his babies. I don't, it's, it's, and then when I look back, even in Mexico, those, our little community, they loved me. They didn't even care that I didn't speak very well. They weren't weighing and measuring me. They were feeling me. We were feeling each other. 
They knew that I loved them, that I cared for them, though I couldn't say it the way they would say it. I taught Taibo. Do you guys ever do Taibo? It's the long early 90s. <laughs> But I, we had this cafe, so we put this little TV, you know, it's probably about as big as this, with the Taibo tapes. And then all these women, I mean, we were the only grass in Tenensingo, this little cafe that we rented. It was a house that we turned into a cafe for gathering. And all these women in the neighborhood, in their skirts, in their, they would come out and do Taibo with me. I mean, there was 30 people. Then people would come and put their you know, blankets on. They'd have picnics for this little silly Taibo class that I, would, I did. I brought me. But I was always weighing and measuring myself and finding myself wanting. When then when I came into this revelation and we had an opportunity to be in East Buffalo in an African-American church, and I thought, <gasps> and Papa was just like, you, let me love you. Let me love you. And let me love them through you. And I stood and where I failed miserably on my own, right? Like, Peter, we know. Who are you? Jesus, we know. It's kind of what it was like teaching in inner city for me. But he just, I got to be me, and his love poured through, and when I look into their eyes, your eyes, I feel his heart for you, through my frame. But if I stayed hidden and closed off, and unloved, then I wouldn't be here, right? There's a, um, Oscar Wilde says, be yourself, everyone else is taken, <laughs> right? You, each of us reflect a part of the Father's heart that nobody else does. We're a bride. It takes all of us being fully us. Whoa, if I'm not me, a piece of his heart that's unique in me, You know, we say, we always say, it's super easy, I'm trying to put it in the words, um, like I always understood we have a hole in us, right? An ache that can only be filled by God, right? We all know that. Everyone's got this ache, a calling out, right? Paul even says it, when it pleased Father to reveal Christ in me, there's something in us that's ready to be unveiled. But the reality is, and there's a piece of father, there's a piece of lessliness in the father's heart that only I can fill. But I have to let him love me. I have to come into agreement that he delights in me. You know, Leonard said yesterday he had all this anticipation of the presents being unwrapped, like it's Christmas. And I want you to know that you're the present he's unwrapping. You're the present he's unwrapping. And he's not in a hurry. He's got all of eternity. And he enjoys every little layer, every little piece of yourself you can give him, everywhere that you're unwinding what the enemy is saying and doing and has done since we walked out of the garden. Right? We were in Adam and Eve when they walked out of the garden. We were in Christ when he rose from the dead. That's reality, capital R, right? That little R is still true, but the deep reality is we are in Christ. He is in us. This brings us into unity. There is something about Jesus 
and the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit was given to us so we could be like Jesus. Like Jesus is outside of us. Like I was trying to be like Jesus. I had the bracelet, right? What would Jesus do? I wore it. I was trying. What would he do? I earnestly wanted to do what he did. And now I have the Holy Spirit, so he's going to empower me to do what Jesus did. That was the feeling, a separateness. I mean, I knew all the Bible verses were in Christ, he's in us. Like, you knew it, but he was still out there, and I was trying to be like him. But when Papa, when I came into where Jesus lived as a human being on earth, right, in the bosom of his father, connected to his heart, it's how he lived. When I was in that space, all of a sudden I recognized, oh, I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. It became my reality. He was no longer separate. He was no longer that idea that's just such a lie. We were in Christ when he rose from the dead. Christ is in us. There is no more separation. And all the love of the universe is loving us right now. And we lived in a world where Adam and Eve walked out of the garden, separated, disconnected in their heart. The eyes of their heart, the naked and unashamed, that was closed and dulled. What opened is the eyes of their mind to weigh and measure, find wanting, fix it with the fig leaf. What do I have to do to fix it? What do I have to do? Something's wrong with me. Something's wrong in this relationship, and now I'm responsible to fix it. And something's wrong with you, Mick, Adam, that woman you gave me, right? Eve, you know, he deceived me. If Eve had said, I was deceived, that would have been true. But she was only deceivable when she disconnected her heart from Father. If we are in connection with the Father, if we are in then intuition and wisdom and our feelings are safe and connected to his heart. He gave us a new heart. We're good. It's good news. Joy to all men. Do we know how good the good news is? And there's this stuckness that we didn't re- we start to, when you start tasting this i always say the experiencing father loving you the revelation of the father is the gateway drug to the trinity like you, you start getting in and it goes deeper and deeper and unravels and unravels and once you get this layer of he's a good father and he's been fathering me for 56 years almost 57 and mothering me but and he's love because he's, you know, he's in all time and all space. It's all now to him. He can go into my childhood, into the womb, and father and mother me in such a way that right now as an almost 57-year-old woman, I can tell you that I've been perfectly loved. Amen. He has been a perfect father and a perfect mother to me. And that's the fruit in my life. The hole in the bucket. That was me. I felt this longing. I knew that something was broken. And I wanted to fix it. And I 
desperately loved God my whole life. I wanted to be good. I wanted to be a good Christian. This mother heart of God piece, to me, it was like if you have a puzzle, it was all the edge pieces. So this revelation of God as Father, when I caught the mothering heart of Father, it put everything in this settled place within me. Like, this opened my eyes. The idea that God has feminine characteristics might seem strange. Because we mostly think of God as man, masculine, right? But God is spirit. He carries all femininity and all masculinity within him. All that's perfect and true feminine and all that's perfect and true masculine within himself. He transcends gender. However, within himself, God contains both masculine and feminine feminine attributes. We'll look at Genesis 1, 26-27, where this is reflected. He says, Then God said, Let us, us, let us make man or mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Notice a few things. Both were commissioned to rule. It takes both a man and a woman to fully display what the image of God is like. (laughs) I love you or something. Amen. God's image is displayed in both male and female. When we look in a mirror, we see our image, right? We don't see, we see an image of ourselves. It's not you, it's rather an image of you. When God made an image of himself, he had to make both male and female to show what he was like. He needed both genders to reveal the fullness of his image, personality, and characteristics. And when we look in a mirror, right? When we look we can see distortion because how we see ourselves based on how we see ourselves, right? So it's easy for us to look in the mirror and, oh, the image of ourselves is distorted. If we don't know our true identity, it can be distorted. And think about where the enemy attacked. He came in to attack the feminine image of God. And he's been on a war path ever since Eve, We all carry feminine and masculine traits. Women generally carry more feminine than masculine. And men carry generally more masculine traits than feminine traits. But we carry both within us. When God formed Adam, mankind, right, Adon, he was, he had, Eve was within him, so he was, masculine and feminine. And then God took Eve out. So now we have masculine and feminine. And they created after their own kind. And it's been a mixture ever since. When Satan wanted to destroy the image of God, he went after his feminine side. Everything of both father and mother is part of the total expression of father's love. His complete nature is to be made known, 
it is to be made known to us. He is the perfect and complete representation of everything we call fatherly and motherly. Masculinity is the doing side of God. It's the active aspect, like Isaiah 42, 13. The Lord will go forth. Masculine side of God, he initiates identity to know about courage, integrity, logical. Those are all masculine traits. And when, when we as women act in those places, it's out of our masculine side. Right? It's not... It's not a right and wrong, right? It's true, it's true. I mean, you see a mother bear, right? Get between her and her cubs, you're gonna see a lot, <laughs> right? I have that within me, and it's good. And when it's true and connected to source, right? And feminine side of God is the being side of God. God is at rest and able to, be, to just be. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Femininity has the ability to be at rest and bring others to rest. King David says in Psalm 22, 9, you made me trust in you at my mother's breast. Imparts, the feminine imparts life, discernment, intuition. When we speak of God's attributes of comfort, mercy, grace, compassion, nurture, bring us into healing and wholeness. We're speaking of his feminine or his mothering attributes. Can you see how the enemy attacks this side? Can you see what's lacking? I mean, if you think about it, the, Jesus is the second Adam. The church is the second Eve. We're a womb. We should be open and welcome for all to come home to themselves and to who... They're, the world is saying, you can hear it so clearly now. Quick, tell me who I am. Tell me who made me. I look in a mirror and I've forgotten. I don't know who I am. You hear the confusion out there? I don't even know who I am. And I don't trust. I don't know who made me. You know, the question on, on going in the doctor's office now, like, what were you assigned at birth? Right? We don't know who the assigner is. I think it's interesting that they say that. It wasn't like by chance. What, what were you, who was assigned at birth means somebody did the assigning. Right? But we don't remember. You can feel the ache. The ache in the world, in the, the church, we don't have, we're, we don't have the answer. Because we don't know who we are. We don't remember. We're afraid that we're mostly disappointing and he's mostly far away and angry and Jesus did this so now we have it and we should live these lives and the kingdom should come and it's just so dark out there. So we'll just close the doors. Like we're like a big orphanage. <laughs> right? We have all our beds made and we put our little blankets but we don't have to give because we don't know who we are yet. He's just awakening. He's just awakening it in us. And the thing is, you're not going to miss it, and you're not too late. He's not a little bit disappointed. He's not sitting there going, man, I wish these people would get together. I have a whole world out there. It's not him. That's not the pressure. That's back to Lucifer at the tree. You've got to make it, you're quick, you're wrong, make it right, and you've got to do it now. 
right? I mean, look at ads on our Facebook page. Quick, there's only four left. This is going to change your life. You better buy it. That feel, like I'm going to miss it. I need to do this. I need to buy this. I need to be this. It's for that, because we're Christians. We want to do it for the world, right? Broken people break. I don't want to be broken. I want to be an overflow. I, I do. I always did. I loved people. I wanted them to know that they were loved. But I didn't know that he loved me. It wasn't an overflow. I was way more comfortable loving you and telling you God loves you than looking in the mirror. And that was way harder for me. I wasn't raised in a home that my mother could look me in the eye and touch me and tell me I was perfect. Because she didn't have it. Right? We're receivers. We can only give what we've been given. And if our fathers and mothers didn't have it, they could not give it to you. If our fathers and mothers, their fathers and mothers, their fathers and mothers, their fathers and mothers, right? If Adam and Eve never sinned, we would come into the world and Adam and Eve and everyone would be running at us. You know, it's you, it's you, you're here. You're perfect, you're everything. We've been waiting. I've read somewhere, we all come into the world looking for someone to be looking for us. Everyone comes in the world looking for someone looking for them. But Adam and Eve did sin. And we come into a world that's broken. And our parents, 99.9% of the time, are doing the best they can. Right? But they have holes. So they can't give you what they didn't have, and we walk around with holes. And we were created in love. We're a love conception, no matter how you came. You were loved. You were wanted. You are a gift. But we don't know it because nobody's telling us. And so we walk around with these holes, and then we grow up. And we know Jesus died, and we're forgiven, and they're forgiven, and we've forgiven them, and we have mercy, and we have empathy. They're our parents. But yet we're walking around with holes in our bucket, and we don't understand. And we're ashamed, and we do the circle, and we act impatient, or we, we do things we don't want to do, and we don't know how. We just keep trying harder. And this is this run and this draining feeling that we're never going to catch up, and that we're tired. I used to just think, just take me home so I don't make any more mess. I'm so afraid of making a mess. I don't want to make a mess. These are your babies. Fix me. Right? It wasn't about me. It wasn't about me and him. It was like, fix me so I don't break any more people. I raised children with areas of my heart that didn't know nurture, never had good touch. I, I didn't have it because I couldn't, my parents didn't have it. And so we're raising generations, chapter generations with these holes. <sighs> Truly understanding that God is fully masculine and fully feminine 
has given me this sense of rest, not only in my femininity, not only in my intuition, my feels, like saying things like, this is going to change everything. Like, I never would have said that because I couldn't. I was a feeling. I got no backing. It's just a feeling. Feelings, like being at rest with that, but also blessing what was masculine in me, my strength, my voice. I have something to say. I'm present on the earth, and I get to be here. I'm a gift. But until I rested that Papa was fully feminine and fully masculine, yeah, we have some false stuff going on, but when I was raised, masculine was anger and violence. I was afraid of it. I didn't want it in me, and I certainly didn't trust it in you. I didn't believe fighting for was a safe thing. We don't fight at all. We go low. Right? My daughter walked through some dark years in the medical system. You know, none of the kingdoms of the earth are the kingdom of God. But that one was pretty abusive to her, and I was just trying to please people. Just be kind, be low. What she needed was a mother bear to stand up and go, no. But I didn't have it in me because I was afraid of anger. She taught me a lot. She go, Mom, I get to be angry. I get to grieve. I get to feel these things. Trust me because where I go with those feelings is to a father who loves me and he meets me there. And he comforts me and gives me the nurture that I need. And he, I can let it go. I was afraid of feeling, big feelings, because I didn't know what I, I thought. It, I'll make a mess. Don't have these. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't have these feelings. That is not true. Jesus felt feelings. I didn't think he felt anything. He just walked around. Right? He didn't. He felt feelings. He cried outside Lazarus' grave. And he raised them like four seconds later. <laughs> he sweat blood in the garden, which I'll kind of talk about on Monday. He felt feelings, but he went home to the Father. He says many times he went away to be alone with God. He was human, fully human. He says he was tempted in all things. He understood where the enemy, when the enemy came in, right? If you're the son, if you're a son, if you're a son, made him doubt, question, it came up. He was at rest because he lived loved. <laughs> As love comes in, you get more solid with your place on the earth. It's a good thing. It has given me permission to honor what is feminine in me and to not be afraid of the masculinity in me and in others, to bless and release. I remember that year I spent with my blanket. <laughs> we used to, I used to walk around the farm and just bless me, bless my femininity, my masculine, all the years of my life. I'd go back and say, you were supposed to be here. You're lovely. I bless you, one-year-old Leslie. I bless what's feminine. I, I'm masculine. I used to hug I know I was in Vermont hugging trees. It's true. But it was solid. I was like the solid thing. It was a very interesting year. <laughs> and really, when I woke up every morning, I really had to say, I don't know how to be loved 
and Jesus lived loved. And I've been spending my whole life wanting to be, give Jesus back the reward of his suffering. And it really was living loved. I mean, I had the tattoo for 12 years, beloved. You know, to be the beloved, you have to be loved. Come on. (laughs) And I couldn't unsee it after that A school. This is how Jesus lived. He lived loved. And I had no idea how to do that. I had no idea how to receive love. I wanted to be love. Like, I wanted to skip me. Thank you very much. I just want to be a vessel. I mean, all good att- I never had people look in my eye, just tell me good things. And if they did, my head went down. Right? Leonard talked about it. We don't look in each other's eyes anymore. And it wasn't because I didn't want to see what was in your heart. It was because I didn't want you to see what was in my heart. And I was afraid when I saw your heart, I have nothing to give you. So I just kept my head down. And so all of a sudden, he's saying, I want to look in your eyes. And in fact, I've been looking at him your whole entire life. Oh, I say things like wiggly. That makes me wiggly. I don't like, give me the list of things to do. I feel much more comfortable, right? Tell me what to do. He's like, what do you want? What? (laughs) I don't like that question. Just be, I want to be obedient. (laughs) Tell me if I do A and B, C will happen. And then if I do A and B and C doesn't happen, it's probably my fault. I'll adjust. Right? I'm comfortable in that space. But tell me I want to pour all the love of the universe into you? Yeah. So I would wake up and say, I give you permission to love me. I give you permission to love me. I mean, he's already been loving me. It says so. We just read it all day. But... It's like the cross has been done. In fact, it says he was slain before the foundation of the world. Riddle me that one. But we don't under, we, until we can see it and believe it, it doesn't become our reality. Right? That's the same thing with Papa's love. He has been loving you. Before. You even said yes to the earth. He's been loving you. You are his dream come true. But the enemy has been wiggling that in, and we don't know it. So it doesn't have this way in us. So you can see, you can see the way the self-chosen orphan has been distorting the reality of what was accomplished. To honor what is a vulnerable, soft, gentle, kind, blessing, open, and to not to be afraid of my strength and voice and drive. <laughs> and a father and mother love differently, right? When a father holds a baby, the baby feels the strength of his arms, the solidity of his chest, the safety and definition within a man. A father's love is meant to convey the sense of defined world out there, a feeling of essential other, identity, vision. Masculinity is like a straight line. It's strong, focused, it's out there, it goes beyond pushing forward. Where a mother's love conveys gentleness, tenderness, a sinking into feeling. There's a feeling of oneness. This is the oneness we were born to feel. We were never meant to feel alone. We were never meant to feel on our own. A mother's love is belonging, wellness, 
Femininity is more like a circle, a circle of life which encloses within its circumference, relationship, comfort, creative wisdom, nurturing. I think about Shepherd, our perfect grandchild. When he's little, like when he fell, you know, when things hurt, when there's boo-boos, he came right to Grandma, passed by Grandpa mostly. Because Grandma's kisses heal, just saying. <laughs> they heal. He came and he wanted me to hold him and he wanted me to comfort him. He wanted him telling, <sighs> you know, now he plays soccer and he's very fast and very good. So everyone goes at his legs, try to knock him out. So he gets hit and he falls down. And when he, when he gets hurt now, he gets up and he runs. He runs past mommy and grandma and runs right into grandpa. And grandpa takes him, grandpa hugs him, grandpa loves him, lets him, let the tears flow, and then he reminds him who he is and how good he is. Tells him, you just go, shepherd, you take that ball and you go. It's okay sometimes to be selfish with the ball. <laughs> oh, it's okay for me to be selfish with the ball. And he runs out in the field, father's love. Go, you can do this. You have what it takes. But if they don't know that they have what it takes, how can we pass it on? If a mother isn't safe within herself, how can she pass on safety? Right? You could see the enemy's tool. We're saved and we're going home. It's not enough. It's not enough. You get to be fully on the earth in your beautiful self. And until you're fully you... I'm not stopping. Together, a mother's love and father's love represents a more complete, full image of God. Together, we should complement each other rather than compete. Through the woman, the tender side of the father is expressed most fully. Without that tenderness, without that nurturing ability, the human race does not come into the full image of God. We always hear about being fatherless, right? There's a fatherless city, a fatherless nation, a fatherless country. But do you realize because there's so much fatherlessness, that also means there's motherlessness. Because when the fathers leave, the mothers have to rise up in their masculinity. They have to. If that's three jobs, if that's what it takes, I'm going to do this. So what's lacking at home? The time and the space for nurture. I don't have time in the space for nurture. I also have to clean and feed and provide and the bills. I'm alone. So the world is fatherless, but they're motherless. Society, church, and family have majored on the masculine side of God's love and missed out on these important feminine or motherly attributes. In our performance-driven culture, the easiest thing to lay aside is the emotion and practice of tenderness. Because it takes time and space, and it's messy. But if we're not rest with our own messiness, and trusting that love is going to clean up the mess, (laughs) and he doesn't actually even say the word messy, it's more like finger paint. He loves, God's a finger painter. He likes to get his fingers involved, and it may look like chaos to someone else in the world, but to him, you're beautiful. I always think about heaven. You know, in our house, when something got put on the refrigerator, 
you know, refrigerator-worthy report cards, refrigerator-worthy art. I think heaven is huge refrigerators. <laughs> and I'm going to go by and get to see all the things that every yes you said in your heart. Every time we said yes to the day when the day yesterday was scary. Every time we said yes to love when we didn't understand. Every time we cried the tears that he collects in this Bible. Refrigerator worthy. Every time we stepped out. Didn't matter the result. You said yes. He is celebrating you. Every step. Paul says in Ephesians 3.10 that the church is called to display the full manifold, all varied, multifaceted wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So often, tragically, we only see a masculine expression of who God is, only one facet. The femininity is lacking in the expression of the church. We've lost gentleness, tenderness, compassion, that are such a part of the feminine side of God's love. We see people going out to win the lost, build the kingdom, but have no compassion, no ache. We become pro-birth and not pro-life. We've done well in going to the nations, preaching the gospel, baptizing new disciples. We've been good at the going and doing. We're not yet good at being, and we need both. Denise Jordan, she says, the body of Christ has historically been very strong in the head, but now the heart is being made alive. Many of us as individuals are completely out of touch with our own hearts. We don't know where to find our hearts or how to operate from the heart. The Lord is restoring this ability to us both individually and corporately. We talk about being the bride of Christ, but we have to be individual sons and daughters before we can be a unified bride. You can see how the enemy wants to skip that part. We're trying to be the bride, and we're not been raised by a father and a mother yet. We're very dysfunctional, <laughs> trying to become together. Right? Healthy children, That those marriages, right? We... He wants to make us healthy and whole. I just want to assure you, because I speak over like five hours this teaching I'm trying to do in an hour. But I want to tell you, everything you were meant to have, every hole, every area of unlove, every area of love deficit that you've experienced in your life, Father is loving you, and he wants to restore you and meet every need. You are loved. And as we learn to run home with our boo-boos and our aches and give him permission to love us, we begin to recognize that we're getting wholer and wholer and wholer and the, and the containers becoming more solid within us to hold love, to overflow. Leonard talks about it. He wants the love to overflow, but if you have no solid container to hold it, I'll give some verses out of the Old Testament where God's revealing himself with nurturing, mothering characteristics. In Exodus 4, 22, he calls Israel his firstborn. 
in Deuteronomy, don't look, you'll never get this, it's gonna go. 131, he says, Moses speaks to the people in the wilderness. He says, you saw how the Lord carried you, just as one carries a child, all the way you traveled until you reached this place. In Deuteronomy 32:18, he says, you were unmindful of the rock that bore you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. Hosea 11, three through four, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. Hosea 13, eight, I will fall upon them like a bear robbed of her cubs. I will tear open their breasts and there I will devour them like a lion. Isaiah 42, 14, for a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. God reveals himself through his spirit, and the name for spirit is ruach, which is feminine. Wisdom in Proverbs, it's a feminine word. The wisdom of God offers life, rest, safety, knowledge, understanding, instruction, counsel, sound judgment, which are feminine characteristics of God. El Shaddai. When God revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he did it as El Shaddai. El is a short term for Elohim, which means the mighty one. Shaddai can be translated as strength and power, but also as many-breasted one. Shaddai appears 48 times in the Old Testament and five times in Genesis, where it's always associated with blessing, fertility, and fruitfulness. We can rest in the shadow of El Shaddai. As Abraham was being established as the father of all nations, God was revealing himself as a God of nurture and comfort. God of compassion, Isaiah 49, 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the son of her womb? And it is hard to forget a baby who's nursing. Because right? literally, if the baby's not near, your body physically aches. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands. Isaiah sixty-six thirteen, as one whom... His mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted. Jesus, in Matthew twenty-three thirty-seven, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, no one who kills the prophet and stones those who are sent to her. How often, oh, the one who kills the prophet and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather you together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and, but you were not willing. Right? That permission. And when we feel shame and we feel wrong, it's hard to receive love. It's hard. You want to wiggle away from it. You want to go, no, I don't, don't tell me nice things you don't know. But he does know. And he knows that the only cure, the only healing is his love. Sometimes what we see 
I'm just trying to figure out where to go here, Papa. It's a lot. I love Paul. Paul, man of God. Right, listen to what he says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. He said, but we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection of you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives, because you had become very dear to us. This is Paul, but it's great, because this is here, here he is giving you mother. This is what discipling looks like, mother. And then the next verse, 11 and 12, he says, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each of you as a father would his own children so that you would walk in the manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Both. But nurture, going. If you're missing the nurturing and the being and knowing that you belong on the earth, the going feels like drivenness and it feels like it becomes something you earn to get the love, because we all want the nurture and the comfort and the love. So if we haven't had it as a solid base, when the going comes, we think the going is earning the love, because we needed it. You needed it. You were meant to be born into a family that received you and welcomed you and told you that you belonged. And that happens through eyes. It happens through voice, lullabies. happens through touch happens through time. You think about nursing in the middle of the night, right? There's nothing, the busyness of the day. It's just you and me. And no, oh, you're my baby. You've got everything. You're perfect. And I touch you. You know, you have to touch a baby. Those thighs are meant to be squeezed. <laughs> right? We're meant to hear the words, I love you. We're meant to hear the words, you're perfect. We're meant to hear those words spoken over us into our souls. We're meant to be touched and looked at and spoken. We're meant for that. And if we don't have it, we still need it. And that's when we start looking for love in all the wrong places. Because we need the touch. We need the words. We need the focused attention. We were meant to have it, and if our parents couldn't give it to us, as we grow, we end up looking for it in the wrong places. And then we know we're not supposed to, so we shame ourselves. Like, we shouldn't need it, but we did need it. We still need it. There's still a hole that needs to be filled. We were created to be love, to be loved. It's our mother that creates a home within us. When we are first conceived in her womb, her womb becomes a home for us as babies. And when we first come into this alien world, it was God's intention that our mothers and fathers would be there to welcome us. When God created us, he intended that we should come into this world to a mother and father who are whole and perfect, someone who could lay a foundation of love, high, wide, long, and deep. It's a mother who puts the sense of home belonging into us as a baby. It's the mother that puts the heart into the human race. Just imagine if Adam and Eve had never sinned. These unimaginable and perfect love would have gone to the very depths of your soul, 
the ground of your being, knitting you into the family, welcoming you into the world, saying, welcome, you belong to us. There would have been great celebration and out of this world affirmation. There would never have been a harsh or unkind word spoken, no grief, no death, no confusion, no fear, no trauma, no rejection. This is what Paul was praying for the church in Ephesians 3, 17 and 18, that you would be rooted and grounded in love and together with all the saints comprehend, experience, have it be your reality how wide, long, high, and deep this love is. This love surpasses knowledge. Right? In Spanish, you have both words, saber and conocer. We just say no in English. But there's a difference, knowing about and experiencing it for your own. You were meant to experience it. The container of love. A a mother's love is meant to create a container inside us that receives and contains love, that fills us with security. The container is a result of love being poured in. This container allows us to store, receive, and contain love within our hearts. But many of us, our containers have holes due to wounds, hurts, rejections, times of unlove, love deficit. And sometimes it's not even... Like I could say for my... I was very sick as a child. And so my parents, I had to spend a lot of time in a hospital. And back when I was little, they took you from your parents downstairs and you went up to a room and all I remember as a little girl is elevator doors closing and I was afraid in a sterile place and my mom and dad weren't there and that's when the enemy came in and said you're too much you're too needy you're too broken you can't count on them that's what I heard but I didn't know on the other side of the door my mother was weeping. They were just following a rule. Like our second-born Christian had open-heart surgery at 10 months old. I never left his side. I mean, they, they, we kept him till he fell asleep, then they took him. When he woke up, we were there. And I stayed in the room. They understand babies need their mommies. They've learned. But then they didn't. And my mom and dad never did anything wrong but it's where the enemy comes in, right? The end, the end of all this is our parents. I think what we do, what I really love about A schools is we really are releasing our parents. We're saying, you cannot give me what you didn't have, but we're giving ourselves permission to grieve that, to feel it, to honor it, because I needed it. It's not about you anymore. I want you to have everything. I want to bless you. I need you, Papa, to come and father me, to mother me in all the places they can't. And sometimes we just, until we know God is father and mother, we still are demanding in one way or another for our parents to fill it. Give me. I need, or the world. Tell me. Say it. You know, it's like the Dr. Seuss book. You know, are you my mother? Are you my mother? No, I'm a dog. I'm a snort. Like, you are searching for the ache. And then we're mad and ashamed. Why? I'm 57 years old. 
I shouldn't need that anymore. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. But that little hole is still there. I just got bigger. But God says, I will come and fill that hole. I will give you what you always meant to have. I'm not leaving you as a limping, broken Christian. I have the fullness of Christ in me. I walk as he walked on the earth. A delight. This love we have been talking about is storge love. You know, in, in um, Greek, love can be storge, that foundational love. You know, eros love, which is sexual love, phileo love. There's lots of words for love. Agape, between God and man, the sacrificial love. But if you don't have that foundational storge love, you will try to get it in another place. And people try to stop you from getting it from another place as opposed to putting you in a position to receive it and you don't need it anymore. And what the church calls moral problems a lot of times is just wounds, hurts that have not been healed yet. We're looking at the fruit and saying, knock it off, but we're not giving space because we don't know it. We've been, maybe you're better at being obedient or not doing the things that the world sees as bad. But, but what are you doing to get that comfort and that nurture? Because if we're not comforted by him, we are comforting ourselves. You know, it may not always be the way that we think of false comforts. It could be shopping, it could be chocolate, it could be the 18th glass. You know, it could be a lot of things, but the thing is, it's not about the thing you're using, it's the using is saying there's an ache that needs to be met by perfect love. You are meant to be comforted. You're not meant to be stoic. Because then if you're uncomforted, you cannot give the comfort to anybody else. Right? If I'm so thankful that I couldn't figure it out on my own because then I probably would demand that you do too. Right? Just do say these four prayers, denounce it, and move forward. I wrote a book. Right? If I wrote a book about my healing, right? It, but it's, it's, it's my healing. I mean, my endometriosis was connected with sexual abuse as a child. That's my story. He took me on a journey of realizing that on the cross, not only did Jesus die for my sins, but the sins done against me. And he's taken that to me deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. But endometriosis is not always attached to that. Right? I, it's, not, it's not a formula. It's a relationship. And my story unravels differently than your story. My, I can't tell you how yours is going to unravel. I can just tell you I know the ending. And it's good. You know, I'm a person who reads the end of the book in a story because I get antsy. Who ends up with who? Who lives and dies? And it doesn't, it just takes away the angst. So then I can go back and enjoy the unraveling. <laughs> like, I always watch the Olympics, especially gymnastics, the day after so I can read how they did. Because if Simone's going to fall, I want to know she already did it. Like, I, it's too hard for me. I'm in a good place because I can tell you with assurance that I know the end of the story. And there will be a perfectly yoked bride saying, come. He's a good father. 
and he's a good mother, and he's loving his kids perfectly. It's such good news, joy and peace. Could see how many pages. Many of us haven't had mothers that had been whole enough to nurture us. They have been damaged. Their own femininity has been violated and they've not been able to show us the kind of love that the Father wanted us to know. And I remember that A school when I saw Jesus called him Abba. And I thought, oh, I believed it was truth. It was like Peter, where would we go? You know, you have the words of life. But it took time for me to understand, till that Holy Spirit cried out in my heart, Papa, Abba. Right? The Holy Spirit poured into our hearts, calling out, Papa. It was my, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to get Papa in. I wasn't trying to say the Papa word enough that it made it real. It took me a whole year of getting, uh, getting comfortable with him just loving me right where I was. Not loving me to fix me. Not loving me to make me a better mother. Not loving me to be a better wife to a man of God. Not loving me to be anything. He's just loving me. He just loved me. I took a long time to get comfortable in that position. I mean, Kelsey, our daughter, lived that way. I always say she was born, and Papa tucked her into his heart, and she lived in the swirl of the spirit of love her whole life. And she would speak before 10,000 people at IHOP and one thing and bring a word of the Lord at 10 years old. But she also spent four or five years just watching reruns of Gilmore Girls from a bed. And she knew he was his favorite. She knew she was loved. And it wasn't earned. It, nothing she did or didn't do. It was all a response. We always feel like Jesus died on the cross. Now I'm responsible to live my life that says I'm thankful. Like I want to be good and responsible that what's been given me, what the gifts. You know, first I didn't want to know I had any gifts. And I think some of that was because I was afraid, like the guy who buried the talent. What do I do with it? Then I'm responsible. I don't, I don't know, I don't trust that I can't make a mess of it. And I remember just recently, Papa whispered into my heart in one of my morning things. He said, responsibility, Leslie, is just you responding to my ability in you. It's just you responding, cooperating with my ability in you responsibility Christ in me my hope of glory the life I now live I live by the faith of Christ it's not even my faith he's looking for it's Christ's faith he lived a perfect Christian life and I'm in him we don't it's not separate anymore there's no separateness and you, you can tell when Jesus is walking with the boys he's saying this is where I'm bringing you I'm reflecting to you the who Father is. And then when I die and rise again and put my spirit of sonship within you, it'll be your reality. 
But at the time, they were just going, oh, I see it. I'm thinking, is the Father? Where's the Father? Right? We're spirit-filled after the resurrection Christians. <laughs> Have mercy on the boys. <laughs> I really wanted to be able to pray with you guys. There's time for that. What I want to do, and what I do in, um, in a school, I... We do a a ministry called the Father's Embrace, but what I do before that is I love to do a mother's welcome. I really just, it's such a privilege. I'm going to have the ladies stand up with me, and I'm going to show you what I'm going to do, and I'm going to invite anybody who wants to come up. What? I'm going to, can I I practice on you? (laughs) You don't have a thing in your ear, right? You can hear. Okay, I'm just going to welcome you. Remember I talked about everybody was meant to be We all come out of the womb looking for someone, looking for us. And we get that by touch, eyes, voice, focus, attention. And I just want to say to you, welcome. You belong. We're so thankful you came. You reflect a piece of him. So special, so unique. I'm so thankful that you're here. And then I'm going to ask, can I give you a hug? And then I'm going to give you a mommy hug. Oh, oh, Papa, your little girl, just fill her up. And all the areas of unloved, love deficit. Just fill her up. You're such a good mom. You're a perfect father, and this is your baby, and you've always been there. You've never missed a thing. She didn't miss a thing. You're going to give her everything she deserves, which is all of you, the fullness of God. And it might, we'll take our time. We're not in a hurry. And we may hear words from Father. You're beautiful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm going to pray. And then if, I don't know if you guys have quiet music or something we can put on while, or somebody play. I'll pray over you. And then um, Phyllis and Fabi will come up. And I, I, God is fully masculine, fully feminine. The boys can come up and do this too. It's not us as women. It's it's him fathering, him mothering you. But I really believe that the feminine is more strongly represented in a female body. And we need mommies in this world. And so I really love to do this with, with the women. To not... Everyone come up. I, sometimes, I said that once and then people thought that only the women should come up. We as women want to let his arms, our arms be his arms and we want to welcome you. If you choose to come on up, we want to do that for you. But first thing I want to do is pray for you. So just rest, come in space, music. I just want to thank you, Father, that you have a mothering heart. 
that we all desire and need. I thank you that you can also be a mother to us. I thank you that you're here now and that you are comforting your little ones. Father, we just say come as a mother. We originate in you. We have all our love conceptions. I just ask you to come to the very depths, to the very foundations and pour your love in. So many of us have not felt welcomed in this home, in this world you created for us. Some of us have holes in our container. Some of us have no container. We come to the very source, back to the place where we were conceived in love. So many of us didn't know comforting arms. We didn't hear words of delight. We didn't have the touch that our bodies needed to have. We didn't feel the center, the focused attention. And we come now, Papa, and we say yes. Give you permission to love us, to welcome us. Thank you, Papa, that you're here mothering us. So many of us cried, cried in the night and no one came, no arms to comfort, no soft breasts to nestle into, to hear a heartbeat, to know that we are loved. And some of us just gave up needing. We just gave up needing. It's scary to be needy because we don't know that anybody will come. The world has told us that no one's coming. But we're starting to feel this ache. Starting to see that it's not true. That we can come to you with all of our needs, all of our aches, and feel the deep feelings that living in this world can, can stir up in us. We can crawl into your lap and allow you to comfort us. To give us all the things that we were always meant to have. Just go deeper, deeper than our memories, deeper than our understanding, deep into the foundation of who we are and fill us with your love. Thank you that you are tender and kind and patient. In you is all acceptance, all love, all joy, all peace. Thank you that you're healing us. Thank you that your love brings us into rest. That your love is deeper than any tribulation that we have encountered or will encounter that your love is deeper than anything can touch.
Papa, we just come to you. We know we look grown up on the outside. But in eternity's eyes, we're just little. We need you. We need your mothering love. A love that goes so deep. And it's safe and kind and tender and gentle. You have all the time in the world. We truly are the apple of your eye. And it's true, if we were the only ones, if I was the only one on earth, you loved me so much that you sent your son to bring me home, home to you, home to myself, home to my place on the earth. It is true. It is reality. And as I come into rest, my heart begins to believe and begins to see all the ways you've been fathering and mothering me my whole life. So I release, even now, Papa, in this space, all the ways you have fathered and mothered your babies their whole lives and give them eyes to see, (gasps) eyes to see, dreams to show where you've been as they come to you and ask, where were you? Where were you when? Reveal through your spirit, your presence, and your love. Thank you, Papa. And I just seal this time, I seal this next space as your babies come forward. Papa, may you just give them a solid knowing in their being that you see them, that you know them, that you've always seen them with eyes of love, that you're not disappointed, that you're not in a hurry, that you're perfectly at rest with your ability (laughs) to grow up your kids. In Jesus' name I pray.